Parenting Today is a podcast produced by Reformed Youth Ministries. Whether you feel competent or confused in parenting, this podcast seeks to apply God's truth to the culture of today. For more information on this ministry, visit rym.org. Hey everyone, my name is Kirk Cooper and this is Parenting Today, RYM's podcast for parents. Uh, I'm joined by John Parrott, my co-host. John, how are you? I'm doing well, Kurt. You doing all right today? I'm doing good. Uh, We are continuing a conversation that we started on Tuesday about bad language, profanity, swear words, uh, bleeps, whatever it is that you want to call it. Uh, We're talking about how we engage with our students um, uh, in the way that they speak to one another. Uh, We try to look at these things through the lens of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And before we get into the redemption, we're going to spend just a little bit longer talking about uh, the fall. Well, we were we were talking about some topics when we had to close uh, on Tuesday, and uh, we're really we're kind. I just wanted to say right at the outset that um, I am a little conflicted because I cannot. I'm having trouble processing really whether uh, someone saying something like "Oh my gosh" is actually a sin or if because they're substituting for God's name or if they're exercising self-control. And I'm not saying that so I can have that answered by John or anyone else. I'm really just saying it so that you guys that that are listening to this podcast here, that we don't have all the answers and that we do have, there's, there is kind of a conflict that we have here. It's not, um, there's not a cut. Things are not as cut and dry as we'd like to be. Does that make sense, John? Kurt, yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, I think as we started this conversation, as we let you guys know kind of some of the behind the scenes, you know, we have some bullet points of what we're going to discuss, but then we get into other aspects of the conversation that we didn't even plan on. And so I think what we're illustrating is that, yeah, this is this is a complex issue. And oftentimes we as Pharisees, we want easy answers. We kind of want a list. We want black and white, you know, um, and so this is just illustrating this is much more complex uh, than, you know, we initially thought. And so, yes, there's going to be some guidelines. There's obviously going to be some boundaries we can set up from Scripture, um, some steps we can uh, take as we and we'll get into some of those as we get into the redemption. But there's going to be a lot of a gray area here, um, a lot of struggle. I mean, something Kurt and I even said before we, we came into this this podcast. And again, we haven't discussed this at length because we want to kind of discuss it live with, with you all, um, what makes a word a bad word? Mm. Um, you know, yes. we, we ended on Tuesday talking about dung, uh, which is, you know, in the scriptures. Uh, and I should know the reference right off the top of my head. Where, where do you want to look that up, Kurt, in Philippians? Or do you know that off yes, the top Philippians of your head? Three, it's, it's Philippians 3. It's when Paul is talking about uh, his, uh, his qualifications as a... Um, as a Hebrew, that he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, that he's a born, a natural born Hebrew mm-hmm. of tribe. And uh, he goes on to say, and he lists all these things that he, of who he is and what he's done. And now he his accomplishments. All of his accomplishments. And he says that he considers them, and I believe the word is scuvalo, the Greek word. Um, uh, and that's, that's what we're talking about. The word that's translated dung, but really doesn't technically, it might be a little bit stronger than that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, 
you know, there were scholars debating because one, I mean, in comparison to, you know, his accomplishments in comparison to the gospel, ultimately they are dung. And he wanted to use a strong word to say how worthless these things were in comparison to, you know, the riches of Christ. And so the scholars were debating, you know, Paul wanted to to shock his audience. And he wanted to use a strong word to shock his audience. And so some of the scholars are saying they wanted the word to be stronger uh, in our English translations. And um, but, but what constitutes a bad word? We know that there are words in certain countries uh, that, are, that are bad that aren't necessarily like I'm thinking of, you know, people over in kind of a UK context, the word fanny is highly offensive. Uh, over in our American context, that just is kind of a uh, yeah, I mean, it's a word for your booty, if you want to say that, or butt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, we'll bleep that out, John. We'll bleep that out. <laughs> but but it sounds like, you know, it's an older way to say that. I mean, nobody in our uh, generation is saying the word fanny, um, but that's a mild word, uh, I, I guess we would say. So what, what makes it bad in one context and not inappropriate in another context? And so those are some some complexities we're dealing with. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kurt, you want to react to that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think that's a common question that I get from students is like, is it really wrong to say this word? I mean, it's just, it's just a sound, like it's just, how can a sound be evil? Um, (laughs) and, uh, how can, how can, uh, uh, and I think what that does is it, it robs underneath that is the idea that words don't have power and that their meaning doesn't have power, but really besides that besides that point we also want to consider like we want to consider the people who are going to hear our words we've talked about this before about taking responsibility for how you're heard and how you're understood versus what you just meant to say and uh we you know we're not going to let the culture dictate to us what we can and can't say but if we want to speak to the culture we want to speak in a way in which they can hear us and certainly our message of love and redemption in Jesus Christ is not going to come through uh, if uh, if it's filled with offensive uh, language that pushes people away. And uh, and so we have to consider that as well. We have to exegete. I think this is what a seminary professor would say is that you have to exegete the scriptures. Obviously, you have to. But you also have to exegete the culture. You know? mm-hmm. And so if you go well, why don't to you, Ireland. Why don't you briefly explain what exegete means just for the record? Okay. So uh, this is uh, definition by negation, but lots of times what people will do is they will say, they will take a passage and they will say, um, they will, what's called eisegete, okay, and um, eisegesis. So I'll tell you a passage that in scripture that this gets done with a lot is the passage, judge lest you be judged, or judge judge not lest you be judged. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will say, well, you can't judge. Um, there, that's called eisegesis. That's taking uh, taking a scripture out of context. All right, you're reading meaning um, into the scripture. Yeah, yeah, and you're reading something into it that's not there. All right, so you're taking that, you're isolating that passage, and you're making it say what you want to say, regardless of the context of scripture as a whole, or even that particular pericope or part of the scripture that you're reading. So exegesis would be the opposite of that. Exegesis is a critical explanation. It's an interpretation of the text of scripture, but it takes into account the context in which we receive that word so that that any one particular verse of scripture or statement by Jesus is given in the context of everything else that he said and everything else that he said through um, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the scripture. So uh, exegesis is um, we want to and we want to exegete the Bible 
All right. So we want to, but we also want to make sense and interpret our culture as well. I hope that. So I hope. Yeah, definitely. So I did not know that we were, I did not know that we were going to get into this. <laughs> well, no, I said that, but so but I sorry. think that's important as you, you know, use the word exegesis. Sometimes we can just throw that around and we need to be cautious of, you know, just everybody understanding that. And, and something that kind of goes along with this, I referenced Zach Eswan the other day in his book, Sensing Jesus. You know, and, and he gets into this, I mean, it's just a brief discussion on bad language. And he points out the fact that there are people who grew up in a cultural context, or let's just say the F word, for example. Some people grew up in a home where the F word was thrown around left and right, and it wasn't, you know, quote unquote, inappropriate to them. That was just the words and the language that was being used in that home. And so to them... Uh, you know, these children, as they grow up with this framework, that's not a bad word to them. You know, that's a word where it's just kind of, this is how we talk. And um, this was the the context that we're in. Um, And so, you know, we've got to be sensitive as we're kind of, you know, using the language Kurt just did, exegeting our uh, context, exegeting the people that we interact with. We, we, We need to think about, you know, they came from a context or a home life where some of this language was just kind of the norm. And we've got to be sensitive to that. We don't need to shame or judge, you know, as we maybe develop a relationship with them. And, uh, you know, if these people are unbelievers, they come to know the Lord, that's where some of those conversations can take place. And you talk a little bit more about language. But as Christians, we mm-hmm. don't need to be shocked at the fact that this is the language some people use and we need to be prepared and ready for that. Did all that make sense, Kurt? Yeah, and I think one thing that we need to – we're really talking about vernacular and how people speak. And, you know, I think one of the things that maybe is forgotten by a lot of Protestants in America after Victor, you know, the Victorian age, something that maybe has been forgotten from the Reformation is that, uh, uh, you know, one of the big we're reformed youth ministries and we believe in the reform. One, one of the big tenets of the Reformation is that the scripture ought to be in the vernacular. In other words, like people ought to be able to read the Bible in their own language. And, you know, we have to take their, we, we want to take the ideas of scripture, the, you know, the, the, the translation of scripture, we want to put it in the language of the people and we can't be afraid of the people's language. Um, you know, sometimes if you go over to, these, to other people's, you know, and this is a, we're getting, we're going to dive, we're diving pretty deep here, just to be honest. I don't know if we're in the weeds well, keep, or not, but keep, like, keep diving some places, and we'll, we'll pull back soon, but yeah. we got time. And so, yeah. But in some places, like there are people who have last names and first names that would be swear words over here. Um, you get that sometimes when you have, um, you know, people from different countries come over and like they say their name and it's like a running joke. Their name is a running joke because it's something that we, you know, and vice versa that happens, you know, in other cultures. And so, you know, scripture is going to every tribe, tongue and nation. Um, and so while we want to respect the, what the way that the people that we're, bring the gospel to speak. Um, we also, and we want, so we want to couch our message in a way that they're going to be able to hear it. We also want to, want to realize that like no one, no one language, no one culture has a lion's share of what's appropriate and inappropriate to say as far as sounds are concerned. Um, and, you know, again, thinking about how people are going to receive something is a great way for everyone. I mean, that's just a sign of maturity is think about how people, are going to receive it. And then another thing, and I, maybe I can bring us back to redemption, 
is that we already know what we can say and what we can't say. We already know because God has given us this gift that he gave no other creature, and that's our conscience. Mm -hmm. And whether we said a word that is on a list or that would have to be beeped on television or whether all the words we said could be said, you know, wherever, we know when we've said something that we shouldn't have said. Um, And we know it. I mean, the first time that I ever screamed out Jesus Christ in vain, I knew it. I was watching Jaws with my with my parents when I was really young and it was a really intense scene where the kid was swimming toward the boat and the shark was coming. And, you know, it was designed to build suspense and little Kurt screamed out, Jesus Christ, get in the boat. And, uh, and <laughs> my parents, both, just, just no, it's okay. Good. It's okay. It is, it is looking back. It is. I mean, my, I, I wish I could go back and see it just so I could see my parents reaction because yes, they immediately stopped the thinking. movie. Yeah. <laughs> they immediately stopped the movie and like, but I knew that I had, it's not like they had to be like, now, Kurt, you can't say that that's taking the Lord's name in vain. I knew it. I knew it before. Like I, I knew it as the, the second that the words left my mouth as little, you know, eight year old or not, I don't know how old I was, but whatever. I knew that, that I had done something wrong. And we know when we have said things that we shouldn't say, and your students know when they said things they shouldn't say. And it really doesn't have to do with the list of words. It has to do with what, what we say and what it says about our hearts. Jesus says in Matthew 15 that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles someone, that that is eaten and expelled, but it's what comes out of the mouth that reveals what's in the heart. Um, and and, you know, and that's, that's really the whole reason we're having this discussion anyway. So mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but I think you're wise to bring up issues, you know, the conscience and, and bringing that up. And um, yeah, I mean, that's vitally important in this this conversation. And so, you know, let's get a little more specifically into redemption. I mean, this entire conversation is redemption. I mean, it's us trying to process this and think through it. And so that that um, practice alone, just having a conversation about a topic is, is redeeming something, you know, it's trying to help us think through it properly and biblically and, and all of that. Um, And really as Kurt and I've been talking, I mean, as we get into this section on redemption each time, um, we need to see that, that so much of the redemption is just having a conversation with our children, uh, passing this biblical framework on to our children to help them think properly about words and communication. Uh, again, they are a part of God's creation that belongs to him. He owns words. They're his. And so we need to steward them just like anything else. And so we need to be cautious of how we use our words. And and that, I mean, I would say is the first way to redeem them is just talking to children about words are powerful. Words are God's creation. He owns them. Um, just giving them those thoughts first to help them realize, okay, uh, we can't be flippant with how we use our words, uh, which words we say. And, and yes, there, there is, you know, as we think of some of the scriptures that would give us boundaries and guidelines and thoughts on this. I mean, James 3, 1 through 12, we've kind of referenced that about taming the tongue. That's where uh, we, we get that kind of language from. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, um, there are specific verses in the end of chapter four and then at the beginning of chapter five, but really kind of backing up to the whole chapter of four gives us some context for just striving for unity. And then that gets into some of our language. I mean, Paul specifically talks about obscenities and coarse joking. Um, He says that um, specifically. And so that's just something where we need to realize 
you know, even though there's going to be complexity of what makes a word a bad word and which words are on that list, um, we at least need to realize as Christians, okay, well, we, we do have to be cautious in certain words that we use. Um, you know, if we're talking about our American context, we do know some of those words that, that are taboo, some of those words that are inappropriate, um, even if it gets a little gray on trying to dig down um, to why those words are, are inappropriate or off limits and some aren't, we need to realize that there is, you know, specific language that, you know, Paul had in mind there, obscenities, he says, and coarse joking, um, that we need to uh, at least exercise caution. And, and so, talking to our kids and telling them, look, we're probably going to talk differently uh, and not say certain uh, words that our culture is going to say. We don't need to be shocked by the culture um, when they say those words, but know that we're going to to strive by the spirit. I mean, this isn't us just pulling ourselves up by the bootstrap uh, and telling our children, look, it's, it's difficult as uh, James is talking about taming the tongue. I mean, he talks about how impossible that is. Uh, but again, you know, talking about, too, the power of the tongue and how it can set a whole forest ablaze and uh, all of those things. Uh, so those are just some some thoughts, some bullet points, some scriptures to, to give our children uh, as we talk about bad language. And I mean, always we want to say that more is caught than taught. And so the way that we use our tongues is going to strongly influence the way that our children um, speak. And so, you know, you, you should not be surprised. This doesn't condone what they do, but you shouldn't be surprised if a student is having trouble um, speaking um, wisely and gently and with control. If every time they get in the car with you and you get cut off, you're screaming at the person who cut you off or, you know, you know, wishing that they would get a flat tire on all four tires or, you know, like, I don't know what you're yelling, but you know, whatever, you know, or, or if you are speaking harshly to them. Um, and that's maybe something that we have to repent of as parents is when we speak, you know, is that we have done a bad job of modeling what it looks like, uh, to use the right words at the right time. Um, and the reason this is so important too, John is because, um, a good word at the right time is so powerful. Like to be encouraging, we, we're, we're really talking about words that tear down, that divide, but like to be encouraging, like our students can use our, their words very powerfully. Um, if they, if they're so inclined and we want to empower them to do that if they can. So there's that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, Colossians talking about, you know, Colossians three, put off and put on, you know, put on the new self, put off the old self. I mean, Specifically, you know, talking about Colossians? yeah, Colossians three, actually um, three verse eight. Uh, yeah. You know, he says, "But now you must put away, you know, put them all away: anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth." Uh, mm-hmm. Talking about you know, putting off. I mean, again, as we broadened kind of bad language, uh, gossip, uh, lying, deceit, self righteousness, uh, and so putting on, like you said, I mean, positive, encouraging. Words And so we need to be uh, definitely by the power of the spirit, uh, putting off the old self, putting on the new self. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's definitely modeling in the home is a vital thing to, to bring up. And what, what we need to realize is, as we've said repeatedly on this episode, is just how complex this issue is, how there are there is a lot of gray area. We need to realize that, look, we are always communicating 
we're always using words, and so there's going to be constant misunderstanding. Um, and so really, you know, as you think of, and I'll just use my household, I mean, having five children, there is bickering, arguing, fighting, yelling, going on. And so there's just constant. Plus, ref- plus what the kids, plus what the kids are doing. <laughs> that was good, Kurt. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so there's just, there's a constant dialogue in our house of just, um, how to love each other, how to be peacemakers, how to ask for forgiveness. I mean, calling my children out on, on certain words that aren't even on the list of bad words, but just, you know, mm-hmm. saying you're so annoying to a sibling. I mean, entering in on that is saying there was a lot of hate in that statement that came out. And um, we as parents, we can't settle for that. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen uh, those parents uh, who've had students in the ministry, you know, when I was in youth ministry, where they just kind of laughed at siblings hating each other, disliking each other, not getting along. And I get it. I understand siblings are going to fight. But as Christians, we cannot settle for that. We cannot just uh, kind of roll our eyes and shrug our shoulders when siblings aren't getting along in the home. I mean, we're, we're commanded to love God and love others. And that sums up, you know, the entirety of the scriptures. And so, We've got to be encouraging our children to love each other and to not bicker and not to not fight and to not use harsh words towards each other. And of course, we're telling them all of this can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of this complexity and difficulty in this is illustrating how badly we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. That's a good word. Um, you know, uh, I did look it up, by the way, and um, Paul says the exact same thing in Ephesians 4. He says, put off your old self and put on your new self, create after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And he talks about putting away falsehood and speaking the truth with your neighbor. So he talks like, I'm being angry and not sinning. Um, So, uh, you know, again, and and that is Ephesians 429 is let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, Mm -hmm. but only only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So a constant theme throughout the New Testament of, the way in which we speak is um, a indicator of the way in which we are putting on the new self or, or putting off the old self. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, are you getting attacked by a machine or you, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> no, I was about John's to say. Recording this, John's recording this podcast while on an elliptical. So um, <laughs> he's trying to get that workout in too. <laughs> Trying to get those steps. <laughs> so look, we're we're at twenty two minutes. Where do you want to go from here? Do you, do you feel like we can we're wrap up? it up? Yeah, I think it's time. So I think it's time to wrap it up. Kurt, there's one um, as we're wrapping this up, and we you know we've said a lot of things, and uh, hopefully given some helpful uh, bullet points that people can take away from this, and have highlighted just the complexity of it. Uh, that there is an article I was going to point people to uh, that's written by Douglas Wilson. Uh, and the title of that is Understanding Bad Words. Uh, it's under, it's dougwills.com. Uh, so D-O-U-G-W-I-L-S.com. And then the article is Understanding Bad Words. Uh, we'll put a link to this up on RYM's website. And let me just state, I don't agree with Douglas Wilson on everything uh, of theology. There are points in which I would disagree with him on. Uh, he's a very sharp thinker and uh, even in this article uh, just 
says a lot of helpful things and give us gives us some some ideas. So that's one article I would point people to uh, as uh, we're, we're wrapping this up. Uh, anything you want to highlight, Kurt? Uh, it doesn't have to be related to bad words. Could be uh, something else. No, I, uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this time. Although I will say that uh, a couple times that sensing uh, Jesus book has been mentioned. And uh, and I recommend it. Uh, if you don't have if you don't have that book, I'm looking at it right now on my desk. You had mentioned it earlier, um, and I think it's been retitled. What has it been retitled? John? Yeah, the imperfect pastor. Yeah, well, yeah, life and ministry as a human being is the sub is the uh, tagline. Um, a, a, a guy, a guy in our presbytery gave it to me, and um, and it's really good. So um, I would recommend that to anyone, even if you're not in ministry. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, a lot, so. a lot of good. A lot of good thoughts there for sure. Uh, well, Kurt, yeah. Kurt, it's been fun having this conversation. As we said, hopefully people uh, benefit from it and, and give some kind of guidelines. And uh, we'll be talking to their children about these things. So, Kurt, you want to wrap? Yeah. You want to wrap it up for us? Well, yeah, sure, guys. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week with uh, another—I uh, don't know—another fun topic. Uh, see you later, John. See you, Kurt. <laughs>